Hello again and good afternoon, Pastor Jacob May from Christ Lutheran Church in Gordonville. We are in the book of Exodus as we are in chapter four of the story, chapter that is about deliverance, being delivered. And we have a great verse to look to when we are beginning our conversation today, coming from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 15, right after Moses and the Israelites come through uh, the water where the Lord opens it up for them. Listen to these words. I love it. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. Have you ever said those words before? Probably not those exact words. You probably didn't praise the Lord for throwing the horse and the rider into the sea, but you know what I mean. You get the gist. Praise the Lord. Of course you have. Praise the Lord. I got the promotion. Praise the Lord. I don't have to move or relocate. Praise the Lord. She said yes, or he finally proposed. Praise the Lord. I have children. Praise the Lord. The children went to sleep on time. (laughs) Right, It changes, it varies as we get through life, but we praise the Lord. We praise the Lord for many things. Hey, if you're listening right now, and I know you might be with other people, so you don't have to do it, but if you're by yourself, say, praise the Lord. Do it again. Yeah, say it louder. Praise the Lord. Yeah, see, wasn't so hard, was it? For us Lutherans, sometimes it's a little more difficult, isn't it? Yeah, praise the Lord. Channel your inner Baptist. Praise the Lord. The Lord certainly is worthy to be praised. He's a good and gracious Lord. And yes, he is the Lord who delivers. We're thankful for our Lord who delivers, who promises to always remain with us, to save us. That's what our God does. Now, as we have progressed through the story, we've seen a lot of different themes, haven't we? Uh, We see that the creation has fallen from the beginning, but but God restores. God has mercy. Then we see God uses someone like Abraham, someone that you wouldn't expect necessarily for him to use, but that's, that's what he does. He uses who he wants to use. In the last week with the story of Joseph, we actually saw Joseph learn the lesson. He knew the lesson, and we can learn it from him too. When talking about his brothers, he said, hey, what you planned for evil, God planned for good. Such an important lesson. Of course, today is about deliverance and how God delivers. But one thing that we found in looking through all four of those chapters thus far is that while they've had their different themes in some way or another, there's one common theme that has been woven through all of the chapters thus far and truthfully goes through every chapter in the story, but also every chapter in the Bible. That theme is God is with us, right? God was with Adam and Eve. God was with Abraham. God was with Joseph. We saw that repeatedly throughout Joseph's narrative. And he's going to say the same thing to Moses and to Aaron when he gives them the call to go to Pharaoh. Tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And what does God say? He says, I will be with you. And the truth is, next week, we're going to see some very important uh, responses from Moses with regards to that fact. He says, if you're not going to be with us, 
then I don't want to go. I'd rather stay, right? But God continues to remain with his people and he continues to remain with you and me as well. So what starts all of this? The story took a turn, didn't it? While the Lord blessed the Hebrews as they were living in the land of Egypt, he protected them. All was well. Of course, if you're looking at it, you think, well, all is well because Pharaoh allowed for it to be well. See, Joseph was high up there no doubt people could look at him and say he was in charge, right? Everything Joseph said went. And that was true, except he wasn't really in charge, was he? He was only second in command. Who was the one that was actually in charge of Egypt as far as what most people would say? Obviously, God's in charge of everything. But what would most people say? They would say Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh's the one that's in charge, If Pharaoh says something goes, it goes. Pharaoh's the only one that could overrule Joseph. But unfortunately, Pharaoh dies and a new Pharaoh comes into power. He doesn't know Joseph. He doesn't remember Joseph. In fact, as he looks around and he sees all of these Hebrews, he thinks there's too many of them. It's like they're being plagued by these Hebrews. And of course, they don't know the real meaning of the word plague yet, do they? But they, meaning the Hebrews, are fulfilling God's command, which was what? To be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The promise is going to come through them. But see, this Pharaoh, all he sees is a threat. He sees this threat in the Hebrews. One day they could come to power. They could take over. The Bible says that there were 600,000 men that fled Egypt on the day that the Lord delivered them. That's just 600,000 men. Counting women and children, conservatively speaking, we're looking at between a a million and a half to two million people. That's a lot of individuals. So for the Egyptians to see this group, this large amount of people, yes, this looks like a big, powerful army. So he has to do something about this. Enslave them. Don't just enslave them, but enslave them in a way that Egypt will benefit from it. Free workforce. Built their cities on the back of these Hebrews. It's tough work. More bricks, more sticks, more work. That really was the refrain that was going on through Egypt. And the people couldn't get relief for 400 years. Held in this captivity. But see, there's some good news here. It says the Lord heard the cries of his people. The Lord hears the cries of his people. I hope that means something to you. That means when you cry out, guess what? The Lord hears you. He hears your cries. And in a very unexpected way, he comes to this man named Moses, the one who was drawn from the water. That's what that name means, right? So water is going to have a big part in Moses' story. This one who was drawn from the water, the one who was saved, the one who was delivered himself and raised uh, primarily through uh, Pharaoh's daughter. This one is going to be used by God to set his people free, to deliver his people. Go, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Now, in talking about this, we really need to look at chapter 9 as well. Because in kind of talking with um, Moses and Aaron, God's setting the stage here. He says, just so you know, to Pharaoh, you're going to be like God. And Aaron is going to be your prophet. 
See, of course, God's the one that's actually in control. But when Pharaoh is looking at this, he's going to be looking at, at Moses as being kind of like the God because as Moses speaks, Aaron is going to do what Moses tells him to do. And crazy things are going to happen. Divine acts are going to happen. And this is mirrored to what we see from Pharaoh. I mean, think about this for just a second. What do people think about Pharaoh? Yes, he's the head of the state. Sure, he's the one in charge. But they look at Pharaoh as being more than just the one in charge too. Pharaoh is divine in their own understanding of things. Pharaoh is the son, S-O-N, of the S-U-N, sun god. He's the son of the sun god. So when they look at Pharaoh, they see one who is divine, divinely appointed. He's the one that has the authority. What he says goes. And so really what we find here that this uh, idea of deliverance is not just a battle in the flesh. This is a battle of the divine. Whose word is going to have the last say? Because up to this point in time, from the Hebrews perspective, it's really been Pharaoh's word, right? Whatever he says goes. But now, of course, Moses is the one that's going to initiate this conversation. Let my people go. Now, when looking at these plagues and and things like that, we have to note that many people look at this as being an attack on the Egyptian gods. Because as you know, they have gods for everything, don't they? They have a god over the Nile that's in charge of the water. They have a god that has pictured of a, a frog's head on top of his shoulders. Does that sound like one of the plagues to you? It does. They have a god who's in charge of the livestock, a god over the fertility as well as the protector and guardian of children. So you can kind of see that their gods are going to be under attack, or at the very least, they're not going to be able to match power with what Moses is going to be speaking and saying. At least though, at first, it looks like they can. At first, he comes, he puts what? Blood in the water, turns the the water into blood. He speaks it. Aaron then does it. Then Pharaoh actually has his people do it too. Match them. You do it. And his sorcerers or magicians, they're able to do the same thing. In fact, it gets to the point where finally we get to the gnats. That's the first plague that Pharaoh's people are unable to do. And as you can imagine, it was bugging him, pun intended, by the way. Finally, then they're seeing that God is is very powerful. And there's some respect and reverence from Pharaoh's magicians towards the living God. But as it goes on and on, finally, Pharaoh gets really frustrated and angry about this. He says to Moses, I never want to see your face again. And Moses agrees, you know what? You won't. The last plague is coming. And you know the plague, right? You remember it well. Very common story, very popular story, one that we love. God says the time has come where I'm going to be sitting death upon the Egyptians. In fact, I'm going to get the firstborn of everything, every person, every animal, I'm coming for them. It's going to be the worst plague. The Egyptians will, will have never cried as they've cried before. They would never have heard the screams that they're going to hear as we uh, have this plague come forth upon our land. But you, Hebrews, this is what you're going to do. He tells them, take, take a lamb a year old without defect, a perfect lamb, spotless. God deserves the best, right? Take it, take its blood before you eat it and consume it in haste because this is your deliverance. Before you do that, take the blood, put it on the sides of the doorposts and also above it. Put the blood there. 
Because when I pass through, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over. When I see the blood, you'll be saved. And think about that. He doesn't tell them, if you have the right look, I'll pass you over. If you're contrite enough, I'll pass you over. If you're from a particular tribe, you might make it. If you're from the tribe of Benjamin, sure, then I'll let you go. But if you're from the tribe of Simeon, up, forget it. No. If I see the blood, I'll pass over. If you're listening, you can probably write the rest of the sermon, and especially the part of how this is in reference to Jesus and his blood shed for you and for me. Great story of deliverance. And certainly there's a lot of death. Uh, Egypt, how are they going to recover from this? They're just so upset, so in fear of everything that's happened that they finally tell the people, go, get out. The Hebrews can't leave fast enough. The people are actually just ushering gold and silver into the hands of the Hebrews so that they'll leave, right? Get out, get out now. And you think, man, this is it, right? This is the deliverance. Everything is exactly as you'd hope it to be. And then some, all 600,000 men and their families, they are gone. They're leaving, right? They're headed towards the wilderness until God tells them to take a turn because he wants the Egyptians to think that they're confused. Kind of a strange plan, right? And that's when they notice it. They're boxed in. Mountains on one side, mountains on the other, and then there's the water. Turn around. Look, there's Pharaoh. Realizing they just lost all of his manpower. No, he's the one that's in charge. He's the one that has the authority. He's going to rule. He's going to reign. He has the chariots. He has the horses. He has the army. The Hebrews will not be able to stand up against the most powerful army in the known world at the time. The chariots are coming with full force. So what do the Hebrews do? In the midst of this trial, in the midst of this test, They say, oh, we praise you, God. Praise the Lord. We know you're going to do something amazing. We're glad that we have front row seats to watch you and your mighty hand go to work because we know you're going to deliver us. No, they didn't say that at all. Even though they just witnessed an amazing miracle with the Lord delivering them by the blood, right? They started to doubt. Is it because that there weren't any graves in Egypt that the Lord has brought us out here? They started to doubt God's plan because as far as they can realize or even remember, Pharaoh's the one that's in charge. They're in Pharaoh's land. Whatever Pharaoh wants, Pharaoh gets, but not this time. Moses, raise your staff, and he does. And the Hebrews crossed on dry ground because there was so much darkness separating them and the Egyptians. Of course, God did all of this. They were able to walk on dry land to the other side, all one and a half million, two million people doing this. This is incredible. This is astounding to see the movement of God's people. And then they look back 
And here come the Egyptians, right? They're trying to do the same thing. But in some miraculous way, the wheels and the chariots don't move correctly. They're getting stuck. The horses were thrown into confusion. And that's when they notice it for the first time. They say their God is fighting for them. That's when they realize for the first time that they don't stand a chance against the living God. But it's too late because Moses was instructed to raise his hand yet again. And the waters came crashing down upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God is the only God in Egypt now. God is the only God who is alive and well in the world. God is God. No one else is. And what a great time to celebrate, right? That's when they start singing the Exodus 15 hymn, that beautiful song of praise. The horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea. Praise the Lord. They know who to give the praise to. But see, here's the thing. It doesn't take long, does it? It doesn't take long that they forget once again about how God delivered them by the blood and how God delivered them through the water, they're going to start complaining again. We're thirsty. We're hungry. No praise the Lord, but we're hungry. We're thirsty. And then they say it again. If only we were in Egypt. They start to get a little nostalgic, but their memory is off. There we had pots filled with meat. We had water. We had all those things. See, now they're starting to doubt God's plan. They don't doubt his deliverance. God certainly delivered them, but where is he bringing them to? What land? There is no land right now. All they see is sand. There's no water. There's no future. So therefore, where is the hope? Just like that. Praise the Lord. Where's the water? Praise the Lord. Where's the food? Thank you for the blood. But now what are we going to do? Thank you for the deliverance. We didn't get killed by Pharaoh. But God, what's next? See, this thing, this idea of faith is going to be very hard for the Hebrews. But as you're listening, I'm sure it's really easy for you, right? Well, confession time, if it's easy for you, man, I need to hang around with you more because it's not always easy for me. I'm like the Hebrews where I can easily go back and forth, right? Thank you, God, so much. Praise you for having the money to pay for these bills. But then the next bill shows up. I'm thinking, Lord, come on. How am I supposed to take care of this? Things start to go really well in life. And then all of a sudden the other shoe drops. God, I praise you for the gifts that you have given me. God, come on, you're supposed to bail me out now. Thank you, God, for my spouse. God, why did you make her in such a way that she'd drive me crazy? By the way, I don't say that about my wife. Make sure you tell her I said that. God, come on. This job is driving me crazy. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've given me, for all that you've provided. But God, what have you done for me lately? Doesn't that seem to happen? Sometimes we don't even say thank you because we're too busy looking for obstacles. Some might say we're too busy looking for things that we can complain to God about. And to make no mistake, we can bring all of our concerns, all of our cares to God. But sometimes 
I think what we need to do is just think about the blood. We just need to look at the blood. That's what God did, right? Just look at the blood. And he passed over. Maybe we need to look at the blood too. To remember what God has done for us. I mean, this is not an easy road for Jesus, right? This was a path that would take him to the cross. This was a path that would allow for him to bleed. I mean, he is the Passover lamb. There was nobody else's blood that he could count on. This is why he came. He came to spill his blood and then to proclaim to his disciples and then also to proclaim to us, this is my body, this is my blood given and shed for you. And I think we need to remember that blood at times because we need to remember what our God was willing to do for us. That blood tells us that we have a God who knows how to deliver his people. We might not always understand his ways or how it's going to work out, but we know that he is our God and he is faithful and true. So when you go to that communion rail and that chalice is lifted to your lips, or you take that individual cup out of the tray, I hope you take just a moment to remember the blood, to remember his love. When you want to take that shot and go after your spouse, I hope you pause for a moment and reflect on the blood and how God forgives you and delivers you. When you want to be angry about where you are in these circumstances right now in life, I hope you take a moment, though, and think about the blood. And think about where God has already brought you and how he has already delivered you from an uncountable amount of circumstances. Knowing full well that he's going to bring you to a paradise where it's going to continue on and on forever without all of these hiccups. When you're looking at your books and you're looking at your ledger and you're wondering how it's all going to work out, I hope you just stop for a moment and think about the blood and how God has always made the provision, how he has always taken care of you, how he has always fed you and clothed you and given you shelter. I hope you take a moment to remember the blood because in remembering the blood, we remember God has set us free. He has truly delivered us. And I think that's what allows for us to make that proclamation with the Hebrews in the book of Exodus chapter 15. Praise the Lord, for the horse and the rider have been thrown into the sea. We praise the Lord because he is our God who delivers. Amen. See you all next week.